Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. <laughs> Have you ever tried ice skating uphill? It's quite impressive. If you can make it work, sure. I. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm that motherfucker trying to ice skate by the hill. You're probably wondering how I got here. Literally. <laughs> Questioning that the entire time. I think in order to get to our respective recording areas, we all tried ice, ice skating uphill. But unfortunately, um, I I kind of cheated. I have to uh, I have to admit. Well, apparently, my grandfather ice skated uphill both ways from school and back. So can't be that yeah. hard. Somewhere Quite along nice. ice skating uphill, I have lost my chair. So and is, found uh, a couple vampires. Yeah. So so you're just taking a knee in front of your little recording area. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right next to my factory sealed Shrek uh, racing game. That thing's gonna be worth millions in about two hundred years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, oh man, with the meme culture just immortalizing Shrek, that's gonna be worth a pretty penny yeah, within it's, a couple it's, years. It's Shrek oh, Smash goodness. and Crash Racing for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, it's I, the racing game. I hate. Yeah. It. <laughs> I hate it on principle. The embodiment of ice skating uphill. Rivaled it. only by uh, Madagascar kart racing, whatever it's called. Sometimes it's better knowing some things just don't exist. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those situations. Ah, true. But but Sam, there could be an entire secret world living under your eyes that you must learn of. Yes, and we'll talk about this when we talk about our movie of the day. Movie series, really. Yes, a three-parter, a trilogy a pantheon of pre-MCU superhero goodness. Which thankfully didn't fall into the same trap as um, Batman and Robin going fully campy. But then again, I don't know how in the hell these movies could have possibly made that tonality work. But definitely be a different kind of movie. Um, So today, ladies and gentlemen, as picked by Sammy Boy, we are going to be reviewing the Blade Trilogy, starring the formerly immortalized Wesley Snipes, given his uh, antics post these films and just general ego, but, you know, it happens eventually, I suppose, with most big-name stars. But, um, Sammy Boy, uh, what was it that brought you about, um, picking these movies? Look, I'll be honest with you guys, I've stopped watching Marvel movies for a while, ever since Endgame, you know, and I, I was mm. thinking to myself, why is that? You know, why, am I, why have I stopped watching Marvel movies? I, and I think it's because they're too formulaic. You know, they'll all become the same thing with the same requirements. It's a checklist nowadays. And I was just thinking mm. like, man, has Marvel ever been different, you know, truly? Or has it always been formulaic? And it just, it brought me back to, the, I think, the original Marvel movie I've ever seen. Before Marvel Studios was really a thing movie-wise, and I was, I was just thinking Blade. The Blade motherfucking trilogy. And I just, I had to, I, I had to recommend it, man. It's, I just remember watching this when I was young, and it's just one of my, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> I think that's the first thing that we all can uh, really say, at least about the first movie, um... It's awesome. It's cool. It came at just the right time. And, you know, it's interesting that when you ask people, oh, when was it that superheroes really blew up? Um, and, and what was the, 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 the start? What was the spark? Uh, 
you have a lot of different answers. Some people claim it's um, it's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, which granted, yes, that was very big when it came out, but then you also get people saying, no, 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 it wasn't in the year 2002 that it all blew up. No, it was 2000 with X-Men, which, I mean, compared to its later movies, I don't think the first one holds up as well but it's still a good movie overall and i can see how that definitely blew it up as well but then you get to the real answer and what i believe truly had a blow up and that as you can probably tell by today's episode is the 90s fantastic four movie mm, naturally indeed uh, the greatest, the greatest <laughs> i mean it's the, the most accurate when you think about it. When you really look at it, it is the most accurate, which... Not always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, it's, it's Blade. It's Blade. It's, it's Wesley Snipes going around as a, a vampire-hunting Power Ranger. Kamen Rider, except on the streets. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and, and what a time... For this to come out because uh, Blade follows such films as uh, Shaquille O'Neal's uh, Steel and um, Batman and Robin, which, what a track record to follow. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh. And I mean, the sequels obviously follow suit and... Uh, you know, um, one does a pretty good job, in my opinion, kind of carrying what the first one did, and the uh, other one is like, ah, it's a movie. <laughs> it, it, it made it a trilogy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Blade. Why don't we start with the fact of, like, you know, general thoughts. How, how, how do we think of the first film, Blade, with everything that it accomplishes? In its uh, in its runtime, what do you fellas think of the first Blade to start off this this pantheon of vampire leather toting edginess? It was all right. I mean, it's been a hot minute since I've watched Blade before we did the podcast. I'm gonna be honest. I think the prior time I've seen it was at a like metal bar. It was playing on the TVs there for some reason. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? It's metal, baby. It's metal. I think fuck. at that particular metal bar, they just always play it. No, like I went there again, and the they weren't thing. playing it. They 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 were playing something else. Oh, really? What were they playing yeah. that time? I think Resident Evil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, well, which I mean... one? <laughs> I don't remember. The W. S. Anderson one, or like one of the newer ones? I wonder. Oh, very clearly the Netflix one. The, the well, either way, they they've got great taste. <laughs> not if it's the netflix one <laughs> just for you ian i'll watch the netflix one no but oh. with the blade movie it was all right i mean uh, it's exactly what it says on the tin bingo yep wait the tin do you have like a steel book or something i wish oh <laughs> i would get one i'm that dumb yeah, fair enough. I mean, there's a very nice 4K one that came out like a couple of years ago, and it, hey, it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Sammy Boy, uh, revisiting the first Blade, what do you think of it? Man, I think, 
at the very worst, it's solid. And it, it, a lot of the positives I'm going to say now are going to be reflected back in the other two, because I think one thing that the movie, this trilogy gets really well is consistency. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'll get into that when we get into Blade 2 and specifically, specifically Blade 3, is, I mean, in general positives, the action's awesome. Is it campy a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's in the middle of the woods in fucking Minnesota kind of campy sometimes. But it really straddles this line between silliness and seriousness, like you were saying, Ian, that it's kind of hard to get, but I think all the movies, for the most part, balance it pretty well. Oh, okay. So it's got good actions. I think the acting, while of course not spectacular, there's there's no fucking, this ain't no Oscar-winning performances anywhere. I think they're just just above good, and that's perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they yeah. sell you in the world, and they will help you, you know, just uh, you know, dispend your sense of uh, disbelief and all that good shit. Mm-hmm. But they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think one is the perfect balance of all the the goods of the Blade series, where it didn't get too high on itself. Yeah, in terms, I, of, I have to agree. In terms of just overall bads of the movie. It's a 90s movie, and God, you could tell it's a 90s movie. <laughs> yeah, And that's yeah. the same for all of them. Maybe for later, like early 2000s, or 3 and whatnot, but it, sh- it shows its age. <laughs> Especially in the CG yes. department. Uh, but my general thoughts, awesome. It's the perfect, oh, hey, the movie's on? Okay, I'm going to watch it. Or, hey, yeah. I got nothing to do. I want a quick, easy popcorn, you know... Blockbuster movie? Boom. Blade. Yes. Chef's Kiss. It's just fucking solid. It's a movie for all seasons. That's what I'd call it. I would say so. Especially with Blade 1. Primarily with Blade 1 especially. Um, Obviously, I'm just going to be doing a lot of echoing here, but yeah. It's it's solid. It's solid. And at the very worst, it is very 90s. Um, but I am going to say one thing right here. Uh, the Wachowskis need to update their uh, claims on the sources of inspiration for The Matrix, because I'm just saying right now, I think that they are being a little tight-lipped on uh, Blade being a potential inspiration, because I'm just going to point this out right now. A 90s film about a secret underground organization uh, consisting of a main character wearing a leather black trench coat and sunglasses, oftentimes using guns and even occasionally samurai swords, complete with kung fu, wire work, and bullet time. Yeah, you, 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 you can't, you can't convince me otherwise. I'm, and this Ian. came out right before all of that, and they are, mm, <laughs> and it's all on display. And very much an allegory for real world things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very right. much so. Complete oh. with chosen one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And on top of that, think about it. There's this whole hidden world that the general masses aren't aware of, and like that hidden world is gonna try and like take over them and stuff like that. Come on. Yeah. Um, so, if we're getting to specifics, 
God, where do we even start? I, I think I'm going to start with my probably my favorite part of the movie. To be honest, yeah. is that opening scene in the first one that sets up everything. It really does. Talk about an opening that says, "Hey, here's my movie, and you're gonna love it, motherfuckers." Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, from from frame one, it just goes. I wouldn't say it's like high octane the entire time because there's actually a a surprising amount of like very methodical and like quiet moments. I was surprised by at times both for drama but also suspense and kind of like uh you know um ooh what's behind the door or something like that kind of stuff which you know the, the the movies afterwards don't quite hold on to but I I guess that sort of makes the first film in the 3 unique I suppose I mean, also going into specifics, I mean, <laughs> the action's really good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. going to be a thing for all three. Um, obviously, the, the, the third one, it, it kind of gets a little samey, but even then, like, you can tell that Wesley Snipes had a big hand in choreographing a lot of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's for sure, and that's, again, another really good thing about the series entirely is because a lot of the people who were in the movie were martial artists, especially Wesley Snipes himself. They didn't really have to use a lot of cut, you know, like uh, jump cuts or anything like that because a lot of them could at least physically act out what they were doing. Yeah. Indeed. Which, I mean, let's also go on to another positive of... For the most part, because we'll <laughs> again, it always goes back to the third one. We'll talk more on it, but um, Wesley Snipes, man. I mean, who else at the time could have possibly played it as well? This it's it's an actor filling the perfect role. To be honest, the perfect exactly. actor for a specific role. And even um, exactly, even Guillermo del Toro in the second one was saying like, if Wesley Snipes is saying something for Blade, like saying something needs to change for, for the character of Blade, you listen to him. Because he knows the character more than the directors do. Y yes. <laughs> yes. But Harrison, I'm curious, what, what did you like about the movie specifically? If there is anything specific. Um, I like that certain plot elements that they introduce early on are relevant. They're not necessarily throwaways. Mm -hmm. Like, specifically showing that his sword has the little handle trick to it specifically noting oh here have this spray keep this on you so that way things don't just come out of left field it wasn't just like something that you know blade just pulled out of his ass or something like that or some mm -hmm. deus ex machina sort of things i like talking specifically on the whole vampire slaying part i really like the different um gadgets and stuff like that it kind of felt like uh, it was Blade's very own like utility belt equivalent for him, and I'm I'm not gonna lie. I also very much liked the mentor dynamic between him and uh, Rinsler, very much so. I think mm -hmm. uh, Chris Christopherson's uh whole dynamic with him and Wesley Snipes was easily one of the better parts, and I think uh, 
I appreciate it very much between the different movies. Because, um, I mean, how many times by this point have you seen movies where there's that whole mentor-student dynamic and it just kind of gets samey? I mm-hmm. felt like uh, with, with the grit that uh, the movie has, it sort of brought some variety to it. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to ask you guys, how did you feel about the portrayal of the actual vampires in this movie? Because once again, it's another movie of, hey, what if we do vampires but differently? I think, I mean, personally, I really like how they portray vampires. It's kind of a weird in-between where it's a mix of the supernatural and more, like, biological. Yeah. But, I, I, again, I think it, it kind of gets on that line pretty well and doesn't, like, make it one way or the other too much. And mm-hmm. something I really appreciate with the vampires is how diverse they really are. Especially, since you, right. you know, specifically with Frost, him being the bad guy, and his own organization, how he's a half-breed, so it's looked upon differently. And, you know, it's impure in a way. And he has this idea, you know, he has these ideas, Frost specifically has these ideas of how to bring the vampire, you know, race, you know, into more power. Like, he says, no, we should be ruling everyone, where the you know, old vampires are like, hey, you know, let's just keep things as they are. And I really do like that. And I think he's probably the strongest villain in the series, besides maybe the second one. And then uh, the third one, well, spoiler alert, the third one's going to be talked about pretty, pretty negatively, but... Frost, in my opinion, is probably the best villain in the series. And I just, I like how vampires portrayed. You know, they were mean, they were brutal, and they're just portrayed as predators. Because that's exactly what they are. Oh, absolutely. And probably my favorite portrayal, probably one of my favorite portrayal of vampires in general. Because I, I like Underworld. I know it's a little bit of tension. I like Underworld, but eh. I don't think it's as good as Blade. But... Well, I mean, Underworld is a very similar sort of uh, take on them. I, I, I will say that uh, compared to Underworld, one thing I think that the vampires in, I want to say all three of these movies, is that um, to some, they might be thrown off by how, like, I think if I had to describe them, uh, juvenile the vampires would be. You have to think, though, with the changing of the times and different generations of vampires from varying different, you know, time periods and whatnot, especially with younger vampires, mm-hmm. if you are immortal, where most uh, non-supernatural forces cannot actually harm you, you're gonna act like this. <laughs> you're you're gonna feel like a hundred bucks. You're gonna feel like you're you're invincible and unstoppable and kind of cocky and immature, especially if it's with younger, you know, vampires. So mm-hmm. a character like Deacon Frost, like, no, there, there, there's going to be a vampire that acts exactly like that. And I think with how these uh, vampires almost come across as like these weird underground, like, against the system, man, kind of like, you know, not teens, but party goers, it adds up entirely and it sort of fits the sort of um i don't want to say angst because then it, it kind of comes across like that the movie's trying to go for edgy but it's really not edgy it has like this natural grit to it that doesn't tr- uh come across as uh try hardy hmm 
get what you're saying. I, I will agree Juvenile's a good word for it. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, there's the one vampire, his name's escaping me, but he just keeps losing his arm <laughs> to, yeah. to Blade. <laughs> and he's just so much of an oaf. He he really is not that skilled of a of a dude, but he keeps weaseling himself out. All right, I, I just found find it. that funny. I found it. Its name is Quinn. Oh, Quinn. Yeah. Quinn. How about you, Harrison? What do you think? I know they ain't no rivers, but... <laughs> um, I would say I kind of liked a lot of parts of it with this, like I mentioned before, with at least consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, given that they were going with a lot of like scientific, this is how to combat uh vampires. It's this in their bloodstream. It's like a change in them. Then they just hit you out of nowhere with the, uh, and then we resurrect the blood god and allow him to possess it. Kind of took me <laughs> out of it. <laughs> okay, that whole stuff at the end was just—I—I I, I think the one bit where I'm like, "Oh, okay, we're 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 doing this. Got you. All right." <laughs> like it felt like the sort of thing. I, I guess the best way to put it is, it felt like they didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's the funny thing: the ending was changed uh in reshoots originally the final sequence there's a whole deleted scene showing what it would have looked like and it was ooh, it was very rough because um as you can probably tell this movie is also using quite a bit of uh cg and uh, it has um varied results mm-hmm. um but originally frost was supposed to turn into a giant like tornado of blood and somehow blade was supposed to stop that i forget how he does it i i i I don't care it didn't look good at all so Mm -hmm. having a a fist fight slash sword fight between the two made a bit more sense Mm -hmm. plus i mean if you know that didn't happen we wouldn't have gotten uh wesley snipes end all be all one-liner that one-liner is perfect because it it's just a moment in time that can never be changed or overwritten. <laughs> it, it it sounds like the beginning of a one-liner that he just doesn't finish. Look, you can't argue with it though. It's it's sheer kino. It's on a higher elevation of line that I, I mean. I guess it's just like. <laughs> I it's it's just funny because like the 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 context behind that line is um there was like some kind of meeting or whatever and when uh Wesley Snipes was like discussing the character of of Frost he was describing him as the kind of guy who'd ice skate uphill and apparently Stephen Norrington the director and the writer David S Goyer uh David S Goyer who had his first real big you know, comic book writing credit of many in this movie. Um, they love the line so much that they worked it into the film. And I don't know if this is actually the case, but I I just can't help but feel at some point, Wesley at some point just hears that, oh, wait, you, you, you worked it into the, into the movie? Why? <laughs> Why? The kids are going to love it. But even more confused, I would imagine, because he's just like, well, what's, what's, 
What's Why? the punchline? <laughs> Why? What's the punchline? Like, I'm just saying he ice skates uphill? Like, what? is there anything past that? Anything? No? Oh, okay. This this is happening, I guess. <laughs> also, I realized looking up some of the credits, uh, I, I, I called Chris Christopherson's character Rinsler when it's actually Whistler. <laughs> Rinsler is the name of a uh, a Tron legacy character. Jesus. Oops. <laughs> yeah, because but... <laughs> obviously you know a little bit of crossover between Blade and you know Tron. Mm-hmm. Spot a crossover. Oops. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, like yeah, that totally. that out of nowhere ending where they're just in Russia. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very comic booky thing. It's like, oh hey, it, next it is very shit. comic booky. <laughs> So, which makes sense. It is a comic book movie. So, I'll, I'll, I'll give yeah. him leeway on that. I mean, if it's based on a comic book, I would like it to have comic booky elements. I don't like this idea of, like, oh, let's make it hyper-realistic. Like, oh, what would it be like in real life? No! It's a fucking comic book. Be interesting. Be mm-hmm. neat with your cinematography. Mm-hmm. Like, be different. Have the story feel like it would be from a comic book. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But I mean, I just—it's not—it's not a perfect movie. But I can't stress out enough how just—I don't even know how to put it. I—I I recommend it. I love it. It's—it's it's a perfect. It, yes, it shows its age, but at that point, it's almost like a timepiece, you know? Yeah. It, for true. those for those looking for a Marvel movie that's not part of the formula, and you want it to be good, crisp, action-packed, campy, yes. But it knows what it is, and it rides with it, with an actor who's perfect for the role, and people who, you know, just people who work together well. Blade's that movie, man. It is primo Kino <laughs> in that aspect. And I just, I can't recommend yeah. it enough. I think we also need to just point out that this was an early uh, comic book superhero case where they also were working with a good handful of uh, black actors and actresses, which, you know, later on, uh, movies like Black Panther got some big praise for, but um, I, I, I was kind of surprised that um, so many people were claiming that Black Panther was, oh, the first real attempt at it, and I'm like, but but Blade did it back in 98, baby? What, 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 and what are it you talking did it about? so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's it's weird because it's an incredibly diverse cast of pretty damn good actors, and race oh, yeah. is not a big thing in the movie. And it's just people being people. It feels natural, feels organic, and I love it. You know, it's just yeah, it's, yeah. It's just I, I I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I I I can see that um, Black Panther could be more of a a celebration of the fact that it it uses mainly black actors and yes there's there's a bigger majority of black actors within uh black panther it's just also this this feels more like it's just trying to tell a good story while also having a good handful of black actors and and whatnot still think it should take the credit (laughs) you know because uh it, it seems like it's it's sort of skimmed over but, I mean, I will also say that while sometimes it kind of gets overlooked, um, you could argue that Blade 
walked so movies like Black Panther could run later on. Mm-hmm. In a way, given that, you know, it's it's 1998 that this is I mean, coming out. <laughs> I mean, Ian, he is the daywalker for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yup. <laughs> and he has a cameo in uh, What We Do in the Dark. Indeed. Uh, which is a fantastic show. Highly recommend. Fucking hilarious. I've been meaning to get around to that one. Watch it. Super good. Harrison, final oh, thoughts? Final thoughts, Blade 1. Enjoyable. Um, the main issue I have, which is going to become more apparent when we start talking about the other movies, is all the Blade movies kind of have just slowly amalgamated into one entity in my mind. Because a lot of the shot composition is, you know, very similar, which isn't bad. It's not bad to have that consistency, but I I forget like what happens in two and three and like they blur into one movie for me. <laughs> you know, kind of transitioning into the second one, I I actually have to disagree. I feel like each movie is uh unique. Um either for good or for bad. The first one has very interesting I guess style amalgamations that the first one feels like a cross between a western uh like a neo-noir like a um supernatural thriller and stuff like that and it feels like it meshes really well and then the second one just goes full fantastical and i think uh since we are transitioning into the second one uh let me just say that the Overall, just production design and general attention to detail when it comes to sets and costumes and all that other just fantastical stuff is on full display because you can tell this is Guillermo del Toro, and I love it. I think it is what makes the second one so unique. But uh, with with that, what do you guys have to think about uh, Blade Two? And in fact, how do you think it fares in comparison to the first one? I don't believe it's an upgrade or a downgrade. I would say it's a side grade. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit lower. I don't like it as much as the first one. And maybe that's because of nostalgia reasons. But I uh-huh. do respect the fact that it, you know, it tried to do something new. You know, with these new vampires going around. You could say, you know, it's a case of sequelitis. You know, they always got to go bigger and better. But I think the third one has a worse habit of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I dig it. Again, it's just the same thing as the first one. It's a solid film. It tries to be, you know, some cool things. You know, things. I don't like how they brought... Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Don't like how they brought Whistler back. I feel like a little bit of it was cop-out. A little bit, yeah. Well, but, especially because Whistler feels like he's on the sidelines for most of the movie. Yeah, and going back to Guillermo Tutorial, I do believe that's what elevates the movie to it being a sidebar with a downgrade is the uniqueness of these new type vampires and just the design overall that I think we're going to really add to it along with just the solid consistency of Wesley Snipes and the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And that's my general thoughts on it. Harrison emails? Hold on, I'm thinking because it's a little hazier for me. Uh, basically, it it's strange... Because I'm trying to think of how to put it into words. Uh, duh, 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 duh. I, I guess it's kind of like it's the the Reaper thing is weird to me, if that makes sense. 
It kind of almost throws the consistency off a little bit. Yeah, because it's like Vampire 2. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, if I had to talk about my general thoughts on Blade 2, personally, personally, I actually view it as a slight upgrade to the first okay. one. I thought okay. overall the, the writing was in areas because... Um, We'll get into a little bit of a uh, running joke that kind of comes across as bad taste, but um, <laughs> uh, I generally preferred this movie to the first one because I thought it had a bit more going on, and for one thing, I actually felt like Blade was actually at risk of dying more, because in the first one he feels a little invincible. This one he was put in situations where at any moment he could have died. I also thought that the the general cast was a little more interesting too. Um, <laughs> an early uh, role for Norman Reedus because uh, before he got big later on and became a heartthrob for a lot of <laughs> women, I suppose. Just women. Have you oh, seen him? Have you seen him in Death Stranding? <laughs> That's true. Well, again, Gorilla Detoro, first strand type game. Strand of its type kind, movie. probably last. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... I need a strand. <laughs> you need a strand type movie. What did that even like pertain to? Like, what did that look like? Like Interstellar, but without any of the sci-fi, just the walking. Interstellar, oh. but in Interstellar, but with anime. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, probably. Um, probably. Okay, you know, the, it looked I mean, like Blade without any of the combat. Oh God, <laughs> Blade but with more of the philosophy. Like, why vampires? Why you do this? Mm -hmm. but let's talk it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that the uh, the the new type of uh, vampires was kind of neat because uh, oftentimes there's different bits of fiction that go over the advent of you know oh brand new types of vampires they're evolving and stuff like that um it kind of threw in different uh i guess factions involved in terms of the different groups at play and the backstabbing and stuff like that kind of became interesting some of them you could see happening a mile away because you know blade he's he's working with these uh brand new vampire hunters known as the Blood Pack, um, all of whom hate him. I thought that was really neat, having an entire group of uh, hunters that actively hate the main character and are trying to find every way possible to backstab him. It was neat. It had some interesting banter and uh, wordplay between the different uh, characters involved. And goddamn, Ron Perlman really, really hamming it up. Yeah, another good casting thing. God damn. <laughs> yeah, this, I don't know. It, it's again another positive about this series. It always feels like they're having fun with the roles, and that really oh, just and, and helps. it really feels like him and Blade are competing essentially, really trying to outplay each other. Mm hmm. It almost it almost feels like a, a video game sequel in a way. Uh, sometimes it does look like a video game sequel. Because <laughs> I, I will say one thing. I will say one thing. Overall, the quality of the CGI is improved. 
However, it's how the CGI is utilized that can, um, I don't know, beg to differ. Because one of the things that I was reading is that uh, Guillermo del Toro, obviously, as he does, really wanted to have Blade Two incorporate a unique visual style that the first one did not have. And most other movies at the time you know, weren't incorporating, uh, unless maybe you count The Matrix. But uh, he actually used quite a few shots where the actors are entirely uh, CG, and he wanted to have the choreography in the CG moments have a very anime-esque, you know, visual language, which, after watching it with that context, I can totally see that, especially with just, like, the 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 in-between posing of these, like, action shots, the general choreography of these CG bits. However, because this is still... Oh, God, when did this come out? 2002, the same year as Spider-Man. Kind of like the first Spider-Man. Um, they look a little rubbery. And a little overly cartoony, like they do turn into video game characters. And it is neat. That he tries going for these, like, anime-esque, you know, fight sequences in the midst of the actual in-camera kung fu. It's just... doesn't always look the greatest because of uh, how CG was at the time. I would say it worked a bit better in Spider-Man because while, yes, Spider-Man is always known for being very acrobatic and, you know for lack of a better term, spider-like in his movements. Um, but the CG in that wasn't so stylized and overly uh, bombastic as it is in Blade 2. And while, yes, very memorable, I, I remember some of those shots, um, one of the early ones does not hold up, though. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> it really, really doesn't. What do you think of the villain? What do you think of uh, Zorak? Dorak? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I, eh, uh, because I thought overall, you know, Looks like the know. villain is Nomak. Nomak. Nomak, that's it. Gosh darn it. Not as memorable as Frost, in my opinion. Uh, he's more understandable, I guess you could say. I would say so. Perhaps more reasonable, but... Eh, I don't know, not as strong as Frost. I, I like Frost. Frost, I I think, is still one of the better villains in all three of these movies, because at least I remembered his name. Nomak, mm -hmm. I completely... Uh, up until this point, I forgot that was even his name. Uh, the third one, obviously, I remember the name, uh, but that's also be uh, out of frustration, knowing who the villain is. And how they portrayed him. But, uh, you know, we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> what were some other elements? Oh, uh, I mean, once again, I was talking about Guillermo del Toro's signature visual language and stuff like that. I know normally you guys haven't quite talked about this before. But, hey, what did you think of the general production design? Whether it came to costumes, sets, other things like that. Did you feel like you could see a very visual difference compared to the first movie more grungy i guess you could say i mean it makes sense since the you know 
the the new vampires kind of lived in the sewer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very grungy, you know, raggy. Um, I guess almost like less urban. That's less urban and more uh, black. Yeah, I would say uh, bits of gothic sort of stuff. Yeah, thrown gothic in. would be a good way to put it too. Yeah, because I mean, in the first movie, it made sense for things to be a little more urban and modern because that was just the general crowd of vampires that Blade was fighting. Uh, but this one makes a little bit more sense because they're kind of going further and further into that, like, underworld sort of um, grunge that vampires are known for. Plus, I mean, it, it seems like they're going up against different types of vampires, too, especially older ones. So it makes sense that there's more gothic sort of stuff thrown in. So I was talking about the writing earlier and how, for the most part, it was um, an upgrade. There is... Uh... <laughs> there's a... Um... There's a running joke that, obviously, when you take it into context and explain it, it makes sense because, you know, they're vampires, but... Um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> um... There is a running joke between Reinhardt, uh, Ron Perlman's character, and Blade, where Reinhardt asks uh, Blade, because, you know, he's a daywalker, if, uh, if he blushes, <laughs> which is a, a question that has a, a, a bit of history, given... Um, you know, the race of the character in question. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, God! <laughs> Interesting thing with that. Um... I mean, do you think that kinda... That kinda hurts the film in a way, or... Nah, what do you really. guys feel? Okay. I mean, I, I didn't think it, like, say... You know lost it some brownie points or tarnished it in any way but I'd say it's just <laughs> like I'll be honest it's just, the movie. Oh, go ahead Harrison. it's yeah. clunky dialogue in a 90s movie series I, I kind of expect very very clunky well, well, dialogue well actually it's it's 2002 but okay essentially 90s 2002 Early is essentially 90s <laughs> there's a bit of crossover yes I I, I understand the early 2000s, it's just 90s with laser tag. And very uh, colorful uh, fashion, much more so than the 90s. The, the crossover point, once you leave 90s films, is when characters just start skateboarding for some reason. That's the transition point, is the skateboards. Um, I mean, honestly, when I, when I heard that line, I thought he was asking him because he doesn't drink blood and there's no blood in his system. I thought it was like, oh, you're a villain vampire, do you blush? So that's what I thought, I'll be honest. Uh, but no, asshole characters are assholes, you know? If you, if you want him to be a racist asshole, you write him as a racist asshole. You can't blame the movie of the guy's yeah, racist that's true. asshole. Yeah, I, I, so, I mean, just in general thoughts, Blade 2, it's a middle child. It's a good middle child. It's For a sequel, it could be way worse. And I think it does the sequelitis thing pretty well. You know, it's it's bigger. It's better, it, it, you know, it, you have literally the classic, okay, I'm working with the bad guy situation. Yeah. And 
again, it's just another solid film. They're just good popcorn films. Agro Montoro's style in Monster Design really helped elevate it to a better sequel than it could have been, and a lot of just better sequel than compared to a lot of movies, especially like comic book wise, yeah, superhero true. wise. Um, overall, okay. like I said, super solid film. Yeah, I'd say so. Cannot say the same about the next one. Blade yeah. Three. Yeah, Blade Three is a movie that exists, and I'm gonna cut it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, it, okay. Like, let's be honest. We've been building it up. We've been hyping it. Is it an awful movie? Fuck no. Is it a good movie? Fuck no. <laughs> Here's. I'm gonna sum it up for you. Blade Three is the most popcorn movie out of the three. It really is, and it's the most juvenile. Because who do you have in it? Deadpool, that's right, motherfucking Ryan Reynolds. And the writing really reflects that. It looks like he had a major upon it, because it almost feels like a comedy at some parts. Granted, it, it's, it, it's like they lost the balance a little bit. This feels like the video game adaptation. <laughs> or the movie adaptation of the video game that were the previous two. And general thoughts, I... Yeah, you really do have the comedic relief. You have this, you have that. You have, oh, they formed a team. Whistler's back. What? They kill Whistler. Okay, look. Just general thoughts. My bad. I was getting to specifics there. I was revealing my hand a bit too early. Um, I still like the film. I grew up with it. Is it dumb? Yes. It's still, in my opinion, still a good time, but not as solid as the other two. It's, it's like it, the first two are nice, crunchy apples. You know, this is... Oh, better comparison. The first two are a nice thing. Popcorn. Perfect amount of butter. Perfect crispiness. Awesome. The third one is the mushy put uh, a mushy popcorn that had a little bit too much butter. <laughs> Your guys' thoughts? Uh, I, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> it is a movie with Dracula. <laughs> yes, and that pisses me off. I'm going to get on that in a second. But, uh... Ugh. I I like Dracula. I don't really like how he's portrayed in this, I'm going to be honest, but I like to just imagine every single movie that uses Dracula in the same universe because then it's funny. It it adds a adds an extra special little touch, you know. It really does. Yeah. <sighs> okay, well well first off, first off, one thing I'm going to say is that uh I had seen this movie once or twice, possibly three times reluctantly before, and it kind of just came off as like a bland third entry that really just did nothing for me, and very clearly came uh, came across as a movie that wasn't trying to do much of anything aside from just be a third entry and have action scenes and one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not surprise me later on reading that this was a troubled production. It's it's not necessarily as bad of a production as, say, the original Star Wars or Apocalypse Now with how insane the hurdles were for the production. Knowing just how bad things were when making this movie, it doesn't surprise me anymore, and I can see it full display when I watched it for uh, in preparation for this episode uh because first and foremost <clears throat> this movie was originally going to either be directed 
by Stephen Norrington, the director of the first movie. However, he changed his mind after reading the script, and he said, yeah, that's, that's, that's poo-poo, I don't like it. And Guillermo del Toro was approached for, once again, you know, directing this. However, he passed it up because his dream project at the time, Hellboy, was greenlit, and there was no way he was going to pass up Hellboy for Blade 3. I would so, I love Hellboy. They... Bingo. Yeah. Hellboy was a much better movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just saying. But, um... So that, that begs the question, oh, well, I mean, who did they finally go with? And as it turns out, this was the directorial debut of David S. Goyer, the writer of the previous two movies... Uh, a choice that Wesley Snipes, even though he was a producer on the movie, uh, had no control over and very much did not like at all. <laughs> not at all. Neither him or Chris Christopherson really liked this movie at all. They, they, they actively hated it, uh, to which it, uh, sparked a less than positive attitude for Wesley Snipes and it, now granted obviously there have been many cases of denials and and um you know allegations of what actually happened on there but one big thing is that Wesley Snipes himself was a big hand in how difficult production was because oftentimes he was uh in his trailer smoking the devil's kush and would have his stand-in go and do non-close-up shots, and in post, the production team had to digitally replace his stand-in's face with, well, Wesley's face. Um, He would not directly communicate with the director and only go with um, post-it notes. (laughs) He he did not really communicate with... um, any of his co-stars either, aside from Chris Christopherson. Jessica Biel apparently destroyed a $300,000 camera when she was firing an arrow, and it just went directly into the camera lens. Oh my god. And, yeah, just general tension. I mean, there were times of, like, uh, Wesley Snipes apparently, and granted, apparently Wesley was denying this, but given his ego and antics and whatnot as a dude, it's it's questionable this was the case, but he was uh, apparently saying that, oh, I, I, I don't like you, David S. Goyer, being the director. You're not cut out for the job. Uh, you shouldn't even be working on this. And uh, saying something along the lines of, oh, this is a waste of time and money. And uh, David S. Goyer said... Oh, well, I mean, with how often you have your stand-in work for you, we could probably shoot the whole movie like this. Uh, to which, uh, Wesley tried strangling the man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a bit of a shit show. <laughs> Sounds like a beautiful mess. It would yeah. explain the lack of chemistry. Uh, yes, and just the general, like, lack of enthusiasm from Wesley Snipes, um performance the only time his enthusiasm ever seems to be on display is when he's doing his martial arts choreography because i mean of course 
Like, that's his bread and butter half the time when he does these movies. Um, but moving into the actual movie itself, because I, I know I was harping a lot on the production and how that crossed over. Um, the movie itself, it, it's just... It's just forgettable for me. It, it's not super terrible. There's funny moments that often come directly from Ryan Reynolds and a couple other actors, but um really didn't care for <laughs> for for uh Ryan Reynolds' character or Jessica Beale's character. Jessica Beale in particular uh particular was very forgettable and the fact that she was uh Whistler's daughter did nothing for me. It really wasn't played into all that well. And uh the moments where you're supposed to feel bad for a lot of the characters, I just did not feel anything for um and the villains oh my gosh this has to be the weakest set of villains because uh, i talked before how uh the first film uh a lot of the vampires were like juvenile punks and stuff like that i am convinced that the first film's villains even the ones with no names could take these villains lunch money because <laughs> these ones they aren't just juvenile they're just childish which i mean juvenile childish hand in hand practically but i it got grating it was juvenile to where it was grating at least like in the first movie it was juvenile but with character and stuff like that especially with deacon frost like he's juvenile he's a punk but he was at least entertaining these guys it's just like the only one that stuck out for me was triple h the, that's because Triple thing, H actually has charisma. Mm -hmm. yeah. The other thing, too, Ian, that's of note, in the first movie, the other vampires did not like Frost because he was a punk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Him being a punk is actually um, a part of the story. Oh, yes. He was a shit-eating punk that constantly proved the uh, senile elders uh, wrong. Mm -hmm. You know? And, 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 and in this, there... It's just the punk juvenile shit, but, like, with none of the character. Again, Triple H no, the is the reason. only one that actually seemed like he had charisma. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the vampire Pomeranian was funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but really, it was only funny for, like, that one scene, and afterwards I'm just like, okay, I guess this is this is a thing now. Uh, I'll I be suppose. honest. My twin and I grew up on Blade 3. And that moment, uh -huh. Ryan, Ryan looks at the Pomeranian and it spreads his mouth wide. Like that, in that vampire grimace. And he's like, what mm -hmm. the fuck? What the fuck? That's one of my, that's, <laughs> that's my two and I, one of them, our favorite moments in movies. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just so fucking funny. I mean, the delivery is funny, don't get me wrong. It, it got a laugh out of me. I kind of chuckled. And just the fact that they turn a, a Pomeranian into a vampire is funny. It's just after that scene, it's just like, okay. Whatever. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it but... came and went. It came and went. Okay, oh, and talk just... about it came and went. Jesus Christ. The main villain. This is what I was getting at. The main villain. Oh my god. <laughs> this is not Dracula. This is some guy that took his name and is running around trying to, like, have the clout that the name has. This is some Channing Tatum just knockoff. That's what it is. Because for 
this guy being Dracula, he has none of the energy, none of the charisma, none of just the presence that oftentimes much better portrayals of Dracula deliver on. Even the really goofy ones. I know what goofy Dracula you're really thinking of, Ian. It's the Hotel Transylvania one, isn't it? <laughs> Still better. More so than this guy. <laughs> exactly, that's the problem. <laughs> He's like a couple inches from being cool. But since they don't make it, it feels like he's miles away. Uh, yeah. yes. He he feels like a non-character. Yeah, I mean, I, I like his attitude. Like, oh, hey, you know what? You know, live by the blade, die by honor. Okay, cool, you know, it's he's old-fashioned. I kind of dig that. Because it brings us back to, like, the original with, you know, the old vampires and new vampires, and how they're different. Yep. But they make him into, like, uh, an antichrist. <laughs> he is the vampire, you know? Which is how they do Dracula in the original Bram Stoker Dracula, but he doesn't have the charisma still. No, no. He's so flat, <laughs> and because he's inches away from being good stoic, he's just flat. Yes, and the fact that they do nothing to like really make him different from any other portrayal of Dracula, and just the fact that he himself is not an interesting character and has like no material aside from liking the word motherfucker, he he just comes across as generic villain. He's generic. Mm. There, there's mm. nothing else to him, and his dialogue of just like, oh, these humans, we look down upon them, it just does nothing. Mm -hmm. They do one small thing different, where they need What's to make that? a bioweapon to kill him for some reason. <laughs> Not just to kill him, but kill every single vampire. He's the <laughs> original source of their bloodline. He's the pure Nocturnus Homus. <laughs> if he's the pure original source, what was that whole thing about the blood god in the first movie? <laughs> so, I mean... It's just a weaker version of the first movie, and yeah. it's, it's you know what, it's the most Marvel out of all of them, is the thing. I, I, I think that's the best way, it's, you know, it's got the quips of modern Marvel, it's got, oh, there's a bad villain, CGA fight at the end, like the original, you know, like all Marvel movies did. Granted, the first one had that, but, eh, <laughs> that's comic book -y. Um It's it's the most formulaic, it's, you know, oh, new team, blah, 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 blah. Except without the good shit from Grimmel de Toro, or the, this almost like the spunkiness of the first one, like the the 90s, just energy yeah. to it. It's just the juvenile, and none of the movies are deep, but this is the least deep of them all. Literally the most generic ending, too. It really feels like this one was just there to make a trilogy, and they just had to put it out. Yeah. It exists so that they could make a third movie to call it the Trinity. Yeah, that, that really is it. Um, it's. I mean, Pat, uh, Patton Oswalt had a quote <laughs> it's regarding in the movie. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. First off, completely forgot to mention Patton Oswalt in this movie. Um, he does fine, but very underutilized, and I didn't really care for it, especially because he dies not too long after he shows up. And his dialogue is just, once again, juvenile. A lot of just sex jokes that go nowhere. 
Um, but he had an interesting quote where he says, if you just sit and watch Blade Trinity, it's a D minus. It just doesn't work. But if you know what they went through to get that movie made, it is an A plus. The fact that the movie exists puts it above Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Which I beg to differ. I would say Apocalypse Now with its production is more that, but I mean, you know, hyperbole and whatnot. Oh, uh, the the soundtrack, unlike the first two, also was just very grating. I hated the music that was used in this. It was just not good music selections, and it felt like they were going with sloppy seconds in terms of, okay, we should use licensed music here and there, but not by big names. We should go with, like, that guy off the street. Because half this shit I don't even recognize, and I wish I didn't hear it because it's just not good music. Yeah, it's just all right. The characters are too quirky. It's just, I still like it. I still think there's value in it in an entertainment sort of way. It's just, it's just more empty than the first two. I think really is the thing. And mm-hmm. too formulaic. It's, it's the blandest out of the three. I still like it. It's oh, still absolutely. Fun, you know, obviously I'm biased because nostalgia, but I still think there's some value in, in just how, you know, it's still Blade. It's still Blade movie. A Blade movie is still better than a lot of movies that come out today, like Resident Evil movies, for example. By W.S. Anderson, which I, you know, I still uh, love because yes. I'm an idiot. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 still a play movie. The worst play movie is better than a lot of good movies. Well, you know, the yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. So. All right, all right. Ian, I've pulled up the soundtrack for you. It had such mm-hmm. wonderful songs like Party in the Morgue, Club Mix. <laughs> God damn it. It's the Newgrounds. <laughs> it's literally a Newgrounds movie. That's all it is. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, fellas, uh, I mean, we've pretty much covered all three of the movies. That does beg the question, uh, because obviously um, there is confirmation. It, it, it's been confirmed for a while that... Um, okay, hold on. I'm going to pull up his name so I can actually properly read it. <laughs> Mahershala Ali has been cast as Blade for whenever Marvel Studios, nowadays, in the MCU, um, they get around to doing their interpretation of Blade. How would you like for them to handle it? Because obviously I don't think we are going to get it with the same grungy grit that these movies had, and they're probably going to you know, creative liberties and whatnot. So I guess, with the MCU in mind, how would you like Blade to be handled? I mean, not, not at all. Don't fucking touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I mean, honestly, I look at, I'm looking at some of the stuff this guy's done. I do think it's a great cast choice. I do like mm-hmm. this actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I have no clue what they're going to do. I'm going to be 100% fully transparent. I have zero clue because there was the entire issue with Quantumania where everything got scrapped left and right and rewrote and all kind of fell on its face. So you honestly don't know what to expect now. Yeah, it's it's not that I don't trust the actor. It's that I don't trust the studio anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a bit of hope because um, 
Obviously, Netflix doesn't really handle it anymore, but there were those Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil and Punisher that had a similar level, if not a higher level, of grit and violence compared to the MCU. And if there's anything that's been coming up, it's that Daredevil, in particular, has been picked up to get, like, a revival. Now... He did show up in She-Hulk, which, first off, I feel so sorry for anybody that was attached to that. Obviously, the tonality, it's highly theorized, is going to be very different. Uh, if we lived in an alternate reality where those Netflix shows still existed, uh, I would say, hey, Blade would fit in very fine with those kind of shows. I just don't know if they're going to have that same you know realm of tone because he did show up in she-hulk uh but it was much more quippy in comparison to how he was in the show which granted he had his quips he had his quips in the original but it was a little more grounded in reality and like harsher in that I think it's mainly, Ian, it's just that Blade is a character that just makes quips. It's like Spider-Man. You can't do the character without quips. Well, yeah, but, but at the same time, especially in the movie, they can sometimes be very vulgar quips, and that's kind of part of the character. Yeah. No, that, that's what I mean, is you have to have the quips, but for him, they're vulgar. Yeah. And I mean, th th there's at least one thing that I'm looking forward to. They did say that the John Bernthal... Punisher that was also in those Netflix shows and of course had his own Netflix show uh he is going to be showing up in that new uh Daredevil show uh Born Again so <laughs> here's the thing man if the MCU is doing anything with the Punisher in particular they have to keep that tonality there there, there is no way that he's going to be able to fit in with the MCU stuff and still have the kind of tonality that those movies have, or those recent shows have. Now granted, I will say, especially in the case of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it got pretty gritty, it got pretty dark. So there's a chance that, you know, they can still work in that kind of tone. I just, I don't know, we're going to have to wait okay. and see. Let me, put it, let me put it like this. Imagine this. Blade on Disney+. Plus. How does that make you feel? It oh, makes me oh, no. very uncomfortable because Streamed I don't know Disney what to Plus. expect. Exactly. I don't trust that shit, man. I just yeah. don't. They, I, I just can't. They're going to make it PG-13. They're going to take this away. They're going to take that away. I just, I don't want to say that happen to Blade. Blade is a perfect yeah. encapsulation of the late 90s. Is it a timepiece? Yes. Is that good and bad? Yes. It's good because, damn, you know what you're going to get, what you're going to watch. It's fun and it's cool and it's its own thing. Is it, is exactly. It, yeah, is, is, a lot of people going to get it nowadays. No, because it's a time. You know, a lot of this shit is nineties oriented or early two thousands. But still, I I love the Blade series. It's great, and it's just it's got its own thing going, and it's just cool. It's just a badass film. It's like I said, it's prime kino for popcorn. You know, people like me. And that's true. Yeah, yeah I just I don't want to see it. Fucking. Defiled, I guess. You know, I want yeah. to. I'm afraid it just can't be its own thing again. It's made. And, and nowadays, you know, I just I feel like something was lost. All right, but but Sam, 
Mm -hmm. when they do the blade thing is there any villain character that you hope is the villain for it she just i don't want them to do a remix so i wouldn't want any Mm -hmm. of the original villains there um Look, I'm just going to make it a meme because I can't give you a definitive answer. I want to see fucking Morbius as the villain. Yes. <laughs> Im- fucking he... imagine. I'm Blade. I'm about to morb. <laughs> I'm beginning to get out of here, Blade, morb. before I uh, morb all over the place. Some motherfuckers are always trying to morb up look, look, I'm going to be honest, right? <laughs> the Morbius movie isn't bad if you remove every scene with Morbius. It really isn't okay. I'm hot take, hot take. I liked hot take with no Jared Leto or Morbius in the movie. It's not bad. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> Look, that's a that's a different movie for a different day. I recommend the Play Trilogy. Check it out. All three of them, even the third one, they're fun. Yeah. Oh, and and if you want more Blade, I recommend checking out the uh, uh, animated series called Blade. The series, because apparently it's pretty tight. All right. I mean, what more can you honestly want? Harrison, would you recommend Blade? I'd say so. Third is iffy. Um, I you personally don't... didn't like the second too much, but that's just because I personally don't like the trope of, oh, no, the enemy, but they're stronger. <laughs> but that's just a me I... thing. I, I, I am going to be the one to say I preferred the second one the most. I thought it had the best pacing, the best writing, and overall, just overall, the best packaging when it came to everything that goes into movie making. Okay. Um, first one is a very close second, though. It's still very good, and uh, honestly, you can watch any one of these three for different reasons. They each come across as being unique uh, for better or for worse, obviously. So- yeah, so the consensus would be first two, really recommend. Third one, optional. Yeah. I, I if, wouldn't say you shouldn't watch the third one because it doesn't ruin anything about the first two. It's just... It almost it, makes, you, it makes the other two look better, if that helps. It, yes, it makes you appreciate the first two a lot better. I mean, so <laughs> I'll yeah. I'll say that. Overall recommendation. Speaking of things we must watch, who's recommending this time? Well... I have thrown out an idea, and much like we did the prior year with the sequel trilogy, there happens to be another trilogy worth discussing, given that it is far, far, far into the future after these movies have come out. They have been dragged through the dirt, but more recently, they have been adored for what they do. And I am convinced it is entirely because of the memes. Oh, it is. Ladies and gentlemen... We are going to be undertaking the reviewing process of the Star Wars prequel trilogy. <laughs> the exciting moment podcast yes. meme review. Now this is pod racing. Ian. Now this is film <laughs> reviewing. All and by do... the end of the episode, you will know the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Will it's we some... have a segment on the Darth Jar Jar conspiracy? I think we uh, should. We will. Yes, we will. I think that'll actually yes. be the majority of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's we're we're going to have that as the uh, the after discussion once we're done reviewing each of the movies. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not something other podcasts would tell you about. So, indeed. All right, but otherwise, it's been our inciting moment.
Indeed, everybody. Thank you all for joining, and until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Be Farewell. Cheers.